Welcome to the Prenda Family Podcast. I'm your host, Emily Crapo, and the purpose of this podcast is to talk about the components of empowerment in a conversational, inspirational, and real way. And I am so excited for our topic today. Today, we're going to be talking about writing with Allie Flincham. Allie oversees the K2 Prenda experience. She works with students at heart and makes sure that their voices are represented in all that Prenda designs and does. Ali, thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, Emily. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's really um, such an honor to talk about this with you today. Oh, no, Ali, it is an honor for us. And I know that there are a ton of guides who are listening right now, just with lots of questions about writing. So the first question that I have for you about writing is, how do you get your K through two learner to write and what kind of writing, what, what should their writing look like? What do K through two guides need to know about their students and their writing? That is such a wonderful question. And I think it's probably the, 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 the hundred dollar question, right? Because everyone wants to know how to get their students or their child to engage in writing. And You know, I think that a lot of it has to come back to this connective relationship that Prenda really is, you know, so good at kind of forging. With a young writer, one of the most important things is just giving them space to write. You know, there, I think as adults, we have to really realize that there's print all around a student's or a child's environment. When you are driving down the street, there's road signs. Um, when you go to the grocery store, there's signs there. When you're even, you know, in your house, they're probably watching you cook and there's recipes. So there is language in a child's environment naturally. And I think that children will want to respond and communicate their ideas if given space and materials. So I think one approaching that, this area of of learning with a lot of love and a lot of understanding for a child and also a lot of confidence that they will want to share their ideas. And if you can go into that relationship with those, with that kind of mentality, I think a lot of the hard work is already done because we all have thoughts and we all have feelings and really as humans, we all want to share them. And so if you can kind of set the, the mood, if you will, then I think that children will begin to engage in ways that maybe you haven't expected before. So when you say set the mood, what would that look like? Oh, wow. So I think outside of that emotional connection that I tried to paint there, you know, it can be as simple as always having a clipboard, paper, and pencils or pens or whatever kind of writing instrument you want to on the go. You know, you could have that already set up and ready for your child to grab, or, you know, you could go to the other side of the spectrum and create like a really beautiful little writing nook um, with a pretty desk and a pretty lamp and, you know, a special little jar for pens and markers, almost kind of like a little secretary office. I actually remember when I was growing up, that was one of my favorite things about visiting my grandmother because she had this beautiful antique secretary and in it were like little pieces of paper and little pencils and little paper clips. And I would just sit there for hours and play and just kind of open up little drawers and see what was inside and add it to my story. 
So I don't think that it has to be like that. It can be, but just having these types of materials available for children, especially young children, that's, that's really so important. You know, I, I always give people this analogy that if you go to a party and the food is up in, in the kitchen cabinet, you're not going to ask for the food, you know, but if you have the food out and in case in this, you know, example, the food is your paper and your pens and your writing materials, if it's out for you, you will go for it because it's there. So I think there's a lot to be said for that visual type of setting that you asked about, Emily. I love that. And as you're saying that, Ali, what comes to my mind is if I could share a personal example, I really like to do a lot of reflective thinking in a journal. Mm -hmm. And I like to show my kids if I've written something down, if I've been doing some reflective thinking, some deep thinking, I'll pull out my journal and I'll be like, guys, look what I wrote today. Isn't this so cool? And I try to write with some colored pencils. Sometimes I just need to draw like a diagram, not a diagram, but, you know, a little, a little picture so that I, I remember what I'm writing on this page. And so um, showing them that, that I write and showing them that it, it telling them that it helps me crystallize my own thoughts. You know, mommy was thinking about this or not. And it doesn't even have to be a mom, right? It can be a, as, as a micro school guide, right? I was thinking about this thought and I, it just kind of came together as I wrote it out in this journal of mine. Do you want to see it? You want to take a look at it? Do you want to flip through the pages and, and look at my thoughts? If I can share this one thing with, with you, Allie, I, I have some reluctant writers. So you're, you're speaking to a, a friend, a parent who's <laughs> like, Allie, tell me your wisdom. You know, I need to know. And you know, it's so funny because we, and I think a lot of this stems from that false assumption of it's either Yale or McDonald's kiddo, you know, like you gotta, you gotta shape up. We need to, I need to see fruits of your learning. And the fact of the matter is, is, is that's, that's wrong. And that stemmed from fear. It's just stemmed from fear. My, my children are going to become better writers because I'm modeling that for them. And because when we do our collaborates and it's, it's time to write down, I pull out my paper and pen and I write down my thoughts of what I really liked. And I try to draw a little picture because my kids are into drawing. So I try to draw a little picture with my writing and they're seeing me do it. And I'm inviting them to do it along with me. And when they're ready to do it, they'll do it. Right. Mm -hmm. So when my son asks me, why do I need to write? This, this quote from this book that I read, just, it was, it just hit me. And I, if it's okay with you, Allie, could I just, could read it and share it with our audience? Please, please. Okay. So it says many of the best books that have ever been written containing much of the finest philosophy, the profoundest reasoning lie dusty on bookshelves and in libraries, simply because the writers did not work their thought out upon the surface sufficiently sufficiently to be taken in at a glance by the casual reader. The thought is buried under verbiage. There are plenty of good ideas in these volumes, but the thought has never been mined. It is still in the ore. So it's just this idea of why do we need to write? Well, it's because we all have beautiful thoughts. You know, mm -hmm. we, we think about our kids being seeds and they have greatness within them. All of our kids have beautiful thoughts. And 
the, the process of writing is mining those thoughts from your brain. And it is, it is pulling that out of the ore and then it is polishing it. And, and uh, maybe you could talk about this with editing and, and thinking about your audience, but pulling it out and, and polishing it and starting to make edges to it so that it can shine and glisten in the light. And that eventually when we perfect the process of writing as we do draft after draft. And now this isn't what K through two are going to do, I imagine. Right. And so I, I need to say, this is more probably like a third through eight type of discussion that now I'm leading us toward, but as we do our, as, as we do our drafts and as we polish our thoughts, then ultimately we're going to have this diamond that's mm-hmm. radiant, that shines all these different colors that everybody wants to look at that people see and, and know from you. And that's a thought from your mind that you ord. That, that you pulled up from the ore that you, you polished and, and created and cut. And, and I think thinking about writing in that way makes it exciting. It I makes, it makes me want to do it. Right. Mm-hmm. Instead of like a chore of having to have to do it. Absolutely. And you know what that quote says to me too, as an adult working with children is that takes me from this point of thinking writing is this moment where pen meets paper and there's an immediate product and then that product can be analyzed or overanalyzed scrutinized or even celebrated too but it takes you from that mindset to hey this is an ongoing process and when you start to approach writing with beauty and reverence and all these wonderful things you really start to see it as something that doesn't really have a start and it doesn't really have an end. And I think that that's where we want to move people, especially at Prinda is, you know, there is no timeline on learning. You know, um, this is an experience that is to be enjoyed and is to be treasured. And writing is an art form. And so we want to give it that space and that real you know, and to, to allow it to be something that's beautiful and enjoyed. And in that cycle, of course, we want to push our children forward. We're hoping that what they write in September looks different than what they write in December, which looks different than what they write in May. And I think that you can do that through these moments that you, you described, Emily, by saying, hey, I, I noticed that, you know, you're now writing with an audience in mind. And that's something that I saw you start doing. So let's have a conversation about that. And I can tell you about a book that I read, you know, and I think you can, and the type of discussions that you've portrayed as yourself as a writer, if some of our guides out there feel like I'm, I'm not a writer, I don't journal, I'm, I'm not into this, like that's okay too, because you can also use examples from texts and books that you do enjoy. And, and make connections between some of these books that you're reading or have been inspired by and what you see in the children too. And I think that if you look at big ideas, you can see it in children's writing. They have an audience in mind. That audience may be you. That audience might be their dog. That audience might be their grandma. You know, but the point is, is they're writing with someone in mind. Or the idea that they see something that maybe they want to change. 
and they go back and they edit that out. And one thing that I would really love and encourage people to do is to kind of shift away from this mindset of, oh, we missed a period or, oh, we missed a capital letter. And really to think like, okay, I see that this child is now involved in the editing process. And that alone is just huge and something to be really celebrated. And once you engage in that editing process, you can really do a lot of good work. But to really, you know, greet it with this idea of this is beautiful, this is art. And even though you are six, you're seven, you're eight, you're nine, it doesn't matter because you are becoming a master at this. I love that. And something that we were talking about before this episode, Allie, that I, I would like you to highlight with this, thinking about the K through two guides is that kids are going to go through phases of writing and, and you're going to, you're, so if, if you guys don't know this, Ali is working on a writing workbook, which is going to be wonderful. And it's going to give you visuals and so many great things for you to look at and to see what she's talking about. But um, there's phases of writing and just this idea that with, with K through twos, that if their if their writing doesn't look perfect at the beginning, the important thing is that they're writing. Mm. And the important thing is that they're developing fine motor skills because a kindergartner, I learned this from Allie, <laughs> um, a kindergartner ha- is not going to have straight lines. They're going to be wobbly, right? Because this is, this, is, this is coordination that they still haven't figured out yet. So uh, instead of talking to our kindergartners like, I don't think that was your best work or you're, you're going to keep writing this letter until, I, until it looks like this letter A, when you step back, so let's talk about our components of empowerment. When you step back and think of the purpose, right? That's our, that's our P and camp. The, the ultimate purpose of this practice with your kindergartner should, should not be that they create a perfect A because that will come with time and practice, right? Absolutely. It's, it's, I want to create a positive relationship with my child in writing because writing is an essential part of communicating ourselves with others, as, as we just read from that book, right? It's, it's, it's crystallizing your thoughts. It's, it's, um, exp- it's an art of expression. And so uh, not squelching that at the very beginning by worrying, by fear, and just celebrating that they're doing it, celebrating that they're creating. You are creating. Look at what you created. Look at that thought that you pulled from your mind and you put that on paper. And now I can read it. And now you can show your thought to daddy and you can show your thought to your friends you know, and just teaching writing in that way. Oh, absolutely. And I think what you will find too, especially with a kindergartner and even a first grader as well, they are so connected with what they put on paper. It is literally what is in their head. There is no filter for a young child. It goes from their mind through their hand to paper. And to the adult, it may not look like a word. It may be hard to read or make sense of. But to that child, that is their voice. And this has been an act of self-expression. And that's why you see all these really young children so absolutely excited to share their work. Because it's not to them, like, right at this point in their development, it's not exactly writing to them. It's their thoughts. It's their ideas. And so in affirming their writing, you're really affirming their voice. 
Mm. Um, and so when you go back to this idea of empowerment in this moment where you are reviewing a piece of writing with a student, whether it's your child or anyone else that you may come in contact with, you kind of have this, this make or break moment for this child. You can either have this moment where you are affirming their voice and empowering them and lifting them up and ultimately upping that engagement factor where they want to go back and write some more. Or with a critical eye, which I think is natural that adults have, and that's okay. Like, that's all right. Give yourself some space and, and forgiveness to, you know, see where they are in their writing, but, you know, kind of keep it for yourself. And, you know, use that to observe how that child is progressing and growing in these areas. They don't need to know that you think that their line is squiggly or wobbly or, you know, anything like that just yet. That will come. That will come. But right now we really want our kindergartners to get their ideas on paper. I love that, Allie. And as a, as a, an example of reassurance, I will say that my second grader, who's always historically been a, a reluctant writer, he is in the middle of his second grade year and his letters are improving. Mm. His letters are improving and it's easier for him to write. Whereas at the beginning of the year of his second grade year, our, our goal for writing was three lines three lines, you know, three, that, that was stretching him. That was putting him in his zone of proximal development. Mm -hmm. Now three lines is not, not a big deal for him. And he, he, in his own, on his own volition is starting to write more. He's starting to write better. He's starting to ask questions. This is a name. So it needs a capital letter at the beginning, <laughs> right? Yes, buddy. And so I think, and correct me if I'm wrong on this alley, but the time when you can start introducing things like, well, maybe not even introducing because I had introduced this to him before, but we haven't really overemphasized it. Right. But when they start asking questions about it, when they start wanting to know how do how do I write this better? How do I spell this word? You know, oh, great, great question. Let's sound it out then that's when that's almost your cue of that's when we can start talking about things like punctuation and capitalization because they're almost hungry for it. Right. Oh, yes. Yes. And you know, what's so interesting, so much of what you're saying is really founded in research too. It's this idea that reading and writing will bounce off each other and they will support one another. So as a student begins to read more complex texts, they will in turn start making observations too, because when a, when a child is reading, that is a very active moment in their learning. They are looking at the way that letters are formed. They are putting these letters together to make sense. And I think as adults, we need to be really confident that they see that capital letter. They see that punctuation mark. Writing is such a challenge, too, because now you're being called to kind of put all that knowledge that you've learned about the alphabet um, and you've been applying it to your reading. Now, here's a way to apply it in a different, equally challenging way. And so with time and with practice, because it's a huge cognitive load for our children, they are recalling letters how letters are formed, and then they're writing it down. They're selecting letters in their head. They're going through word families. So for a child in first grade, 
if they leave a, out an exclamation mark, like that's okay. They are processing a lot in their heads. They're going to get it with time because they're also actively engaged in all these other areas in their day that's going to really kind of support the writing as well. That's really interesting that you say that, Ali, because my second grader is just now taking off in his reading as well. Oh, yeah. So, so the reading and the writing, he -hmm. just wasn't, he, I mean, he practiced reading, but he never really enjoyed it. Never really got into it. It was always just like, ugh, reading, you know, but he's taking off in that now. And it's interesting that you say that they balance each other because with him taking off in reading, he's also now taking off in writing. Not, I wouldn't say taking off, but he's curious more about his writing. He asks questions about his writing. He's hungry to, to improve in his writing. And that's interesting that it it is. And I never made that connection before. It is correlated to his reading. And that isn't to say that, I mean, I was reading to him in kindergarten and first grade in the beginning of second grade, and he was reading to me and he was doing treasure hunt reading and he was doing all these other things, but it wasn't ever one of his strong suits and something flipped in his, in his mind. And now he's interested in it. And it's, it's wonderful to me that Prenda, Prenda gives students that space because all of our brains develop differently, right? Mm-hmm. My, my kindergartner at the beginning of the year was almost at the same reading level as my second grader. You know, my, my kindergartner just, his brain de- is developing differently, right? He reading, reading to him, it wasn't as much of a chore for my second grader. And I love that Prenda gives each student the space to set, set goals that challenge them, but then give them, give their brain space. I, I, I and, and that my son was never labeled as like behind in reading. And now he is in the middle of the first book of Harry Potter and he can't stop. And it wasn't anything that I did that I changed you guys. It was just him. He was ready for it. And, and he never was, he, now I will say this, well, maybe I shouldn't say this. I was going to (laughs) say, I I was going to say the things I did wrong with him. I did a, I did a lot of things wrong with him. He he's my first. Yeah, of course. And I, out of fear. And before I, I knew Prenda and adventure Kate, (laughs) <laughs> and all of her genius in, in reading. I, I was, I was really just regimenting his reading at a, from a very young age, embarrassingly young, you guys, like th- he was three. And I was already like, okay, we're, we're practicing our letters. We're practicing their sounds, you know, and we would just go through that. And it re- he just, I could tell it was a struggle for him, but I thought I was doing him a service. Like I thought I was helping him. I thought that if he knew his letters, then he would be successful in kinder- kindergarten and, and then more successful in first grade. I just thought it was a service. And what I ended up doing for him, so this is confession time, is he hated reading. Like, really, I developed such a bad relationship with him and the idea of reading that his brain would just turn off. And he... He would just cry and feel frustrated and I would feel frustrated. And so after I met Adventure Kate and after she uh, told me that I probably need to take a break from (laughs) regimenting reading to him and just sit down and do read alouds with him and just rebuild this 
more positive relationship with reading. And I'll tell you, Allie, it was scary because uh, I still had a lot of fear, you know, oh, am I doing him a service or a disservice by not doing this? Right. And I had other parents tell me he'll read. They all do just give him some space. And, but I hadn't seen it yet. Right. So, so, and I'm just seeing this in him now. So this is like a year of me not really trying to focus, like really regiment reading and just uh, let him control that. How do you want to read? What do you want to do when you're reading today? And then doing lots of read alouds where we're snuggling and it's good. And, oh, I'm just building warmth and I, I like it when you read and all these things to the point where now he's taken off in his reading. So for all of you guides who are hearing this and going, oh, I've done the same thing. I've ruined my child. Just know that they're not ruined. Know that you can give them space, give them their autonomy, something that I learned from Prenda, model reading to them, share I with my son. I would share with him all the interesting things I learned through reading. Like, I'm so glad I could read that because that filled my heart with light. I'm so glad I could read that. And could I share that with you? Could I share with you something that I read? Modeling that so they see that, reading aloud to them, making it a warm experience. And when their brain is ready for it, they'll do it. Is that, is that, is that in line with research, Allie? Did I just, am I on the right track here? You're on the right track. And, you know, a big thank you on behalf of all the guides listening to this that just went, oh, yay, thank you. Um, because, well, first of all, as a mom, you don't know, you know, you're, you don't, and you want to be a good mom. And, you know, I think that even knowing all the things that I know, I also had to take a step back with my daughter. You know, it's a constant dance. And I think that one thing that we're hoping that everyone listening hears is that you got to believe in your child. You know, you got to have this high image of what this child can do. You have to see them as capable. You have to see them as determined. And if you can have that mindset when you're working with children, a lot of the work is done then. Like that's the hardest part is just really coming in with this very, you know, idea that this child's going to do it. And of course, you know, there is research, you know, I think the human brain is complicated even more so in early childhood um, because you're kind of battling ability against interest Um, you get these children. My daughter's one of them. She's a dinosaur child. It's got to be a dinosaur. She loves the dinosaurs. We want to read about dinosaurs, write about dinosaurs. If it's not accessible through a dinosaur, she doesn't want anything to do with it. And so, of course, in that kind of scenario, if anyone has, you know, a child who has an interest as strong as the one that I've just painted, sometimes it can be hard to get the reading in or hard to get the writing in. Um, because, you know, she'd rather talk about what's happening inside of an egg and let's do a science experiment. But to kind of go back to my thoughts at the beginning, if you have that clipboard with that paper ready, you know, for that child at that exact moment, it doesn't have to be a fight. You can still make this a very positive moment for writing development because you can dissect an egg or open it, crack it open, you know, have a conversation about the layers of eggs, but then you can also encourage that child to draw it, label it, 
And now let's have, let's have an imaginative talk. Like what, what would happen if you would open that and there was a dinosaur? Let me write your thoughts down if they're a reluctant writer. And then with time, like they're going to see like, wait, you're writing my story. You know, because now we have the autonomy factor coming in and that ownership of their voice. And with time, you're going to be seen as someone who's manipulating that and getting in the middle of it. And they're going to want to take that ownership back. So I think being just kind of flexible, too, is just huge. I love that, Ali. I really am so grateful that you joined us today to talk about writing this I know for me, this was a huge message of relief. You gave us some really good pointers. I could, I could see the tools that you, you, you gave us some really great tools. Uh, the idea of the clipboard, the idea of a, a writing place. Uh, I loved your analogy of if you're having a party, make the food available. Thank you for, thank you for coming. We really appreciate your, your wisdom and your insight. And thank you for speaking the voice of our students and speaking oh. in, in behalf of our students to our parents. This was. This was very insightful. Well, I hope it's helpful and I hope that everyone enjoys the writing progressions coming out soon too. And hopefully that'll be a good, good support as well. Thank you, Allie. And that wraps up our episode for this week. Just as a reminder to all of our listeners, the opinions and comments shared in this podcast are not the official opinions and comments of Prenda. The purpose of this podcast is to continue an ongoing conversation about education and empowerment. If you'd like to continue this conversation with us in person, join our lunch and chat every Thursday at 12 p.m. Arizona time. Everyone is welcome. And if you can't make the lunch and chat, not a problem. You can reach out to us at familyguides@prenda.co to share with us what your thoughts are about the podcast or to suggest topics for future podcast episodes. We want this podcast to serve you. We look forward to hearing from you. See you next time.